WTPN Pinellas Park. Depression and discouragement is a self-centered, self-focused type of deal. And the cure to that is get your eyes off of yourself onto the grace of God, be reaffirmed in what the ministry is all about, and realize that God is at work. A sovereign God is working whether I realize it or not, whether I see it or not, I believe it by faith. Are you discouraged about your ministry, however small or great it might be? Today's class of Verse by Verse addresses the causes for such a letdown feeling. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is bringing the last part of his study on a discouraged prophet in this Elijah series. We'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19 again, so have your Bible and notepad handy. Thanks for joining us for this enlightening study. We have a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get started. Here is Pastor Steve to lead us. You know, Elijah, I'll tell you what he didn't need. God is so wise, so gracious, so tender. Elijah didn't need a sermon at this point. Elijah didn't need a three-point outline. Say, now listen here, Elijah. Get on your feet and you march back. You know what Elijah needed most? He needed some rest. He needed his body to be ministered to before he'd ever listen and think straight with a sermon. He needed rest. He needed good food. He needed some water. Listen, the last three and a half years for Elijah have been difficult. No vacations, no timeouts, no rest, no time off, no relaxation. This man was physically and emotionally exhausted, and, and God knew that. And God said, look, Elijah, rest. I'm going to prepare some, some food. It must have been great because he didn't need any food for 40 days and 40 nights. We could get the recipe for that. We'd really be, be good. But God fed him, fed him bread cake and water, and he just let him sleep. And you know, that says something to us. How does God cure us when we're going through discouragement? You're in the pits of despair these days. Maybe you need to get some sleep. Maybe the answer to your problems is not that deep as you think. Maybe you just need to get some rest. Maybe you just need a balanced diet. Maybe you just need some, some rest and, and relaxation. You know, it is not spiritual to be a workaholic. I want to say that as graciously and yet as firmly as I can. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. And I want to deal with this for a moment because there are so many people who think that, that to do, 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 go, go, go is what the Lord wants without taking a break and resting. And that's just not so. In Mark chapter 6, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus sends his apostles out. He tells them to go preach and cast out demons and do the work of the ministry. And he sends them out two by two and they are, they are busy and they have been working hard. And they report back to him in verse 30. And the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. These men have been busy. They've been hard at work. You know what he said to them? Verse 31. Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. And they went away in a boat to a lonely place by themselves. How wise of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, look, come apart and rest a while. And someone has, has, has taken this expression and said, if we don't come apart and rest a while, we may just come apart. You've got to go apart and rest a while. You've got to take a break. Dr. Howard Hendricks tells this story. He says, He's a professor at Dallas Seminary, and he says, I got off a plane for a week of meetings, 
in a church pastored by one of our graduates. This man's wife hurriedly took me off on the side while we went to get my bags, and she said, Professor Hendricks, while you're here, I wonder if you can help my husband. He's constantly active. He spends no time in rest. He's not recouping his strength and his energies as you often exhorted us to do. I'm afraid he's going to crack up. He's averaging about four to five hours of sleep a night. A few days went by and we were driving alone in the car and I said to him, how come you don't smoke? Interesting thing to say to a pastor. He said, how come I don't smoke? He said, yeah, I've been here all week and I noticed you don't smoke. He said, Professor Hendricks, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Hendricks said, that's wonderful, that's very good thinking. Is that also the reason you're prostituting your body with four to five hours of sleep a night? You know, many of us would never touch a cigarette. And we say, well, my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, but we don't take care of it in other areas. Some say, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. That's not the options. God doesn't want either. That sounds real pious, but the truth is that God doesn't want us to burn out and he doesn't want us to rust out. God wants us to live by the energy of the Holy Spirit, a very balanced life, abounding in the work of the Lord. Yes, working hard. Yes, being involved in the ministry, but understanding that we need to take a break and we need to relax and we need to get our minds off of our work and service. When Elijah received rest and good food, he was ready for more of God's treatment. He wasn't cured yet. And how do I know that? Because verse 8 says it took him 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb was more than 200 miles from Beersheba. And that's, that's about five miles a day. In fact, that is five miles a day. And he's still down in the dumps. Five miles a day uh, is not a lot to walk. He's still dragging his feet as his shoulders are still slumped forward. And so the second thing the Lord does is now Elijah's ready for a sermon. Now he's ready to, to, uh, to be ministered to spiritually. He's not yet thinking straight, so the Lord's going to try to set his, his thinking straight. Verse 9. Then he came there to a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, what a question. In other words, Elijah, you're not a cave dweller. What are you doing here? You belong back at Jezreel with your people. What in the world are you doing here, Elijah? Now, please understand that God asks questions, not because he doesn't know the answer. He simply asks questions so that we'll open up our hearts to him, so that we might see what our real problem is. That is always why God asks a question. He knows everything. He just wants us to know what the real problem is. He wants, he wants Elijah to verbalize what, what's really bothering him. And Elijah opens up his heart. And I think there's a great principle for us to understand here. When you're discouraged and you're down, you know what you need? You need to get alone with the Lord Jesus and pour out your heart. You need to weep to the Lord. You need to cry. You need to, you need to let out your, your frustrations. You say, I would never do that with the Lord. Well, do it. It's better than keeping it in. Let it out. You're not going to fool the Lord anyway. He knows what's going on. The Lord's not going to say, oh, I never realized you had these problems. No, he knows exactly what's in your heart. But you don't know the problem that's there. Verbalize it. Go on the spiritual couch and, and talk to the Lord. Tell him if, if you're disappointed in him. Say, I can never do that. He already knows if you are. So be honest with him. And I'll tell you, if you're, if you're counseling somebody who's discouraged and down, let them talk. Don't be too quick to give them a sermon. God let Elijah talk without, without stopping him. 
He let him talk without being judgmental, without condemning him. At this point, at least, let someone talk. I have a a dear friend who uh, there are times I call him up and I say, look, I know my attitude's terrible. I don't need a sermon. I need somebody to listen. Would you just keep quiet and let me tell you how really lousy I am? And he does. He patiently listens. And uh, after we're finished, I say, thanks. It feels better. And, uh, and it's not just that you're ventilating your anger. That doesn't cure anybody. But as you see what's really bothering you, you're able to deal with it because you really see what the problem is. It's not just that you're getting your frustrations out. If you get them out, you're able. If you want to walk with the Lord and see what those problems really are, what's, what's down in your heart. So Elijah opens up his heart and he really verbalizes what he, what he feels. Verse 10. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, the sons of Israel. They've forsaken your covenant, Lord. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And they're seeking my life. They want to take it. I'm the only one. Now, I really struggled this week with trying to understand this passage and what we're going to read in a few moments. What's Elijah really saying? And I prayed about it and I struggled and... And many people say, well, he's just having a pity party. Well, Elijah's just feeling like he's all alone and he's just, you can hear the, the harps in the background and the violin and he's just down and inviting everybody to his self-centered pity party. That may be a, a part of it, but I'll tell you there's something far deeper here. And if you look at Romans chapter 11, you'll see the Holy Spirit comments on this passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 been written by the Apostle Paul to prove basically one thing, that God is righteous in his dealings with Israel. And the question to the Jewish believers at Rome, one of the nagging questions was, if God is dealing with the church now, what has happened to Israel? Has God forsaken his people? Has he cast them away? And so Paul deals with that in in chapter 11. Verse 1, I say that has God, uh, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, far be it. Don't even mention it, perish the thought, Paul is saying. And to prove that, he says, for I too am am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. He says, if you want to see if God's cast away his people, look at me. I'm living proof. And I could say that as well. But he goes on, he says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? Now watch. This is what the scripture says. How he pleads with God against Israel. Lord, they've killed thy prophets, they've torn down thine altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. And what Paul says is the divine response to him? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Sounds just like 1 Kings 19. Now, what is Elijah saying here? What's his prayer? Listen, it didn't start out this way. First, it started out with disappointment, but the more Elijah has thought about it, The more it's just brewed in his mind, it is developed into full anger. Elijah is angry with Israel because they haven't responded to his ministry. And you know what he's asking the Lord to do? He is pleading, he is interceding with the Lord to wipe out the Jewish people. Yeah. He's saying, no. Yeah, that's exactly what Paul is saying. That's exactly why God didn't answer his prayer. God would never do that. Elijah saying, I'm the only faithful one that's left. And Lord, nobody, wipe them all out. Kill them. They're no good. This is self-righteous anger. 
In his disappointment, in his discouragement, he wants God to pour out his wrath on the Jewish people. He wants them wiped out. You see, you know what Elijah's problem is? And this is what the Lord's going to have to straighten out in his mind. Elijah has lost sight of what the ministry is all about. That's right. It's so easy for us to fall into the same trap. If people don't respond to my ministry, and Lord, do away with them. And maybe we don't say it quite like that. Maybe we're not saying that they ought to have his wrath poured out. But we, uh, we certainly have a tendency to be vengeful when we're hurt. We want to strike back. We want catastrophes to fall on the people who don't respond to our ministry. We want to get back at them. We want to get even. We want, to, we want them to get exactly what they deserve for being so cruel to us. You know, Elijah's got a wounded spirit. Elijah's got is offended at this point. He is angry, and this is not this is not righteous anger. This is self righteous anger. This is sinful anger. How does God cure that? Verse eleven and twelve. And so he said, "Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord." And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But you know what he was in? He was in the sound of a gentle blowing, just just a, a wind, a, a still small voice. He was in the gentle blowing of a breeze. Now, what's God saying by this? What, what, what does this mean? God displayed great natural catastrophes which could wipe out anybody. They could destroy people. Exactly what Elijah asked for. Wipe them out, Lord. Earthquake, fire, wind, all of that could destroy, and it does destroy. In fact, we call them today acts of God, even though they may not be in that sense. So negative on, on the Lord, but that's what they call, they call these things on the news, acts of God. God wasn't in that. God wasn't in those things. God didn't want to wipe out Israel. But you know what God was in? He was in a gentle breeze. In other words, God doesn't want to destroy people. That's what he's saying to us. Elijah, I don't want to destroy people. I want to reach them with the tender voice of love and grace. A gentle, I want to be gentle. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. Elijah, I don't want to wipe out anybody. What's he doing? God's cure for Elijah's anger and for, for our anger and disappointment is a lesson on grace. On grace. Elijah's forgot the graciousness of God. All he's thinking of is wrath and anger and judgment. You see, he's got his, his eyes off of the Lord, and the Lord says, get your eyes back on to me. And Elijah, at the bottom of my heart is a deep desire to save people, not destroy them. It's the same thing in Luke chapter 9 when James and John were in Samaria, and they didn't treat the Lord Jesus well. And James and John, having that, and I say this sarcastically, that great missionary spirit, said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven? Lord said, you don't even know what kind of a spirit you're of. For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy, he came to save. Same thing with Elijah. You see, if you've got anger towards the people that you minister to, then you've got Elijah's problem. And you need to recall what the ministry is all about. It's the grace of God reaching people, not destroying people. You've got to remind yourself that the desire of God's heart is to, to reach out that gentle, blowing, and tenderness of the Holy Spirit. Not judgment. 
Now he does that. He does judge, but God doesn't delight in that. He delights in grace. Look at verses 13 and 14. And it came about when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. He went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I think the Lord was saying, Elijah, have you learned your lesson? Now tell me what you're doing here. Elijah should have said, Lord, I'm gone. I'm heading back. I understand. I'm going back to the ministry. I'd like to say that Elijah learned his lesson. I don't think he did because he answered the same way. I don't think Elijah has really responded to what the Lord is trying to teach him. Verse 14, then he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel, forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine all. Lord, I'm, a, I'm the only one. Sounds like an echo. Elijah didn't learn. Elijah didn't learn. And so the Lord moves on at that point, and he gives him something else out to straighten out his thinking. Verses 15 through 18. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you've arrived, you shall anoint. And he mentions Hazael. And then he mentions in verse 16, Jehu. And then Elijah, you're going to anoint then Elisha. He's going to take your place. He's going to be a prophet in your place. In verse 17, and it shall come about that the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. And then verse 18, and yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that haven't bowed to Baal and every mouth that hasn't kissed him. He's saying, in other words, Elijah, Elijah, you want Israel destroyed? You're so wrapped up in yourself and your disappointment and your anger, you don't even realize that there's 7,000 who are just like you and they haven't followed Baal. Yes, Elijah, there will be judgment. Yes, I will deal righteously and faithfully with Israel. But I'm not going to wipe everybody out because with your own little pity party and your anger and your sin, you fail to see the positive things that are happening in Israel and in your ministry. Personally, I think that Elijah was shocked when he heard there were 7,000 believers in Israel. I think he was astonished. I think he was amazed. But that's part of God's cure. Elijah thought he was all alone, but he wasn't. And what God is doing, he's pulling back the blinds and he's saying, Elijah, things aren't as gloomy as you think they are. It's not as bad as you think they are. In fact, Elijah, things in Israel are 7,000 times better than what you imagined they were. Listen, if you're in the midst of discouragement, realize that it's not as bad as you think it is. God's at work, whether you see it or not. And you'll never see it if your ministry is self-centered. And that's really Elijah's problem. Self-centered, eyes off the Lord, onto himself, and he's blinded to what God is doing. When you're depressed, you really can't see beyond yourselves. Because depression and discouragement is a self-centered, self-focused type of deal. And the cure to that is get your eyes off of yourself onto the grace of God be reaffirmed in what the ministry is all about and realize that God is at work. A sovereign God is working whether I realize it or not. Whether I see it or not, I believe it by faith. Elijah's been so stuck on himself that he's failed to observe that God is at work in Israel. If you're disappointed and discouraged, may I say that you ought to get a good night's sleep? Eat better? Rest? Stop being on the go. Take, take a break. 
And may I encourage you to get your eyes off of yourself and off of your disappointments and off of, of what you think the ministry ought to be and get your eyes on a sovereign, gracious God. But the center of his heart wants to reach out in love and in tenderness to people. And may I encourage you by saying that when you do get your eyes off of the Lord, you're going to see that he's been at work. While you've been consumed with self, he's been involved with others. May that be your encouragement. May that be the strength that you need. Now, what happened to Elijah? Is God through with Elijah? No. Elijah's going to be used of the Lord in a, in a certain measure. He's going to go, and, and we'll, we're not finished studying about Elijah. There are some exciting things left for Elijah, but I don't believe his ministry was ever the same after this. In fact, I don't believe Elijah really learned what God wants him to learn about the grace of God. And if you study later the life of Elisha, which we will not study, but if you read later, when he anoints Hazael, when Elisha goes to Hazael, Elisha's heart is broken. Why? Hazael says, why? Because I know you're going to destroy the sons of Israel. You're going to do such harsh things to them. Elisha was broken. He was crushed because he loved the people. He, was, he understood that tender, gentle blowing. God said, Elijah, I'm replacing you. I'm replacing you. And I believe he, he replaced him with, with Elisha because he didn't understand the grace of God like the Lord wanted him to. If you want to be used to the Lord, respond to how the Lord deals in your life. Respond to the lessons. If you don't, the Lord's not going to use you as greatly as he'd like. He'll use you even when you're distressed, even when you're discouraged, but all the measure of usefulness could be far greater if your eyes are off of yourself and on to him. Shall we pray? There may be some here who are without Christ. You may just be depressed and discouraged because you have never personally taken that first step and taken your eyes off of your sin and off of your problems and onto the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what salvation is really all about. Stop looking at yourself to save you, to get you to heaven. Look to Christ. Look to him and see Calvary where Jesus Christ died. Look to Calvary and see that your sins and everyone's sins were laid upon him. And by trusting him for your salvation, you can have eternal life. That won't be the cure-all to all your problems, but it will be the cure to the sin problem of whether you go to heaven or hell. If the Lord is speaking to you and you'd like to inquire about trusting Christ, you'd like to speak to somebody about that, then I tell you that we have counselors who will be up after the service to your left, the front of the auditorium, and they'll be happy. There'll be a young man who will meet you and he'll direct you to a counselor and he can or she can direct you to Jesus Christ. If you are a believer and you're discouraged and you're depressed and you need somebody who's just going to listen without judging you, without coming down on you, our counselors are available for that. Don't think you, we just call you up here after you want to accept Christ. If you have a need and you need to just talk, we're available to listen. Father, we pray that you help us to learn from Elijah. Maybe many here are not going through discouraging times now. Help us to remember these truths so when they do come, when those difficult times do hit us, we pray that you'll help us to respond properly. Thank you that Elijah had feet of clay just like all of us because he's so human and we can relate to him. And it makes his, his victory seem more real to us. 
He was a man of like passions, just like us. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be responsive to the great lessons from you. For we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for being in class today. It is our prayer that these studies on Elijah have been a big help in understanding your own discouragement and a source of encouragement in your journey with Christ. You can listen to this study again by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and downloading it or listening to it on the web. If you would like to talk to someone about anything in your Christian experience, please don't hesitate to call us at 727-239-0306. We're here to help you in any way we can. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel, 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden, inviting you to be here for our next encounter with God's Word on Verse by Verse. to give you strength between